This next five-year window is when you don't go practical and safe. This is not the time to get the job mom wanted you to. This is the time to realize that you have a five-year window, and it's three for some, it's eight for others, but it's a five-year window for you to attack the life that you want to win and go and travel and learn. Go and start that business that you've always wanted. Hook up with those three teammates and start that band you've always wanted. This is the time to be massively risk. Hello guys, I'm here with Stephanie Crespin from Stag Tribute. So we're gonna start a new podcast. So could you please introduce yourself and describe who and what is your career and what did you do before? Um, so I'm an entrepreneur, obviously. I'm Belgian and French. I was born in Japan. Uh, previously to starting South Tribute, I was working at Procter and Gamble, uh, okay. big FMCG. Um, I'm a mother of uh, two boys, so a single girl in the family. <laughs> um, and I live in Singapore since uh, four years. I've uh, been living most of my life in uh, Asia, actually. Okay. So I have my heart attached to, to Asia, um, and yeah, and uh, but I was living before that in, uh, in Belgium, Romania, in Romania, in Paris. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you was born in Japan. Yes, I was born in Japan. Nice. In Tokyo. That's nice. And um, so I have a specific question, in fact, about you and how you were when you were young yes. because it's pretty interesting because I want to understand what brings you to entrepreneurship and it was a, a dream before or how was it? Thank you. Um, so I think I've always had uh, this uh, attraction for uh, entrepreneurship or, or building and creating my own business. Okay. Uh, I started when I was small in Belgium. You have uh, uh, in, at the summertime on beaches, uh, you have the possibility. The kids, uh, it's a, a custom. The kids create flowers. Okay. In a flower shop made of uh, flowers, paper flowers. Okay. And they sell them for shells. And uh, I guess I, I was. Uh, Super competitive, super eager to make a maximum of money, <laughs> counting the, the money like Picsou. Um, and then uh, I think that kind of uh, followed me also when I was in boarding school. Um, my parents were in Thailand, so I would go back and forth between um, uh, Paris and, and uh, Bangkok, and I would uh, I would build my own kind of uh, business under undercover business where I would bring back. Uh, Pirated uh, CDs, uh, shirts that I was selling cheaper. Nice. So I had built a whole catalog, and, and uh, the whole boarding school knew that I At had eight, to come. Eight years I, old? No, no. So there I was boarding school. It was when I was uh, 13. Okay, so 13. It's pretty young. So I was, yeah. So since I was young, I, I was creating small business opportunities here and there. Very interesting. And why did you choose to work for Procter and Gamble before and? Um, well, you didn't start your, your own startup or your own company after school? Or? Yeah, I think I, I wanted to build uh, enough of skill sets or um, before starting my own business. Okay. I didn't feel comfortable enough uh, out of you know university to start um, my business. I think that university is 
you know, great in terms of theory and, and stuff like that. And, and coming out of it, I didn't have the the, the executional and the practice uh, out of you know what I have been learning in, in school. Um, so Proctor really gave me another type of skill set. And and what's great about that company, I would say, is they give full responsibilities quite early on, even to junior people. Mm -hmm. So it allowed me kind of to have that freedom of trying out things on my own and uh, and having a, a sense of leader, business leadership. Yeah. Okay. And why Singapore? Why Singapore? Um, I hesitated between Singapore and Hong Kong. It ended up being uh, Singapore um, just because there's, you know, the language facility. Um, Culturally, I still think that you know it's, it's easier Singapore than uh, Hong Kong uh, for someone external uh, to mm. set up a business. Um, and then Southeast Asia was uh, was still a region that uh, I was extremely attracted to, and um, I, I was living in Thailand, so that's one reason. And the other is is just uh, an economical, you know, uh, kind of reasoning that uh, when you look at the growth of that region, yeah, it just seems. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's quite crazy. To, um, to Hong Kong. Yeah. Okay. And what is Thai's tribute actually? Could you please give uh, more so style, detail? Style tribute is a luxury marketplace. Yeah. That basically allows on one side uh, uh, women to cash out their wardrobes in okay. a couple of clicks. So uh, when you look at uh, traditional marketplaces like eBay mm -hmm. uh, or even uh, Carousel. Uh, sellers still have, you know, a certain effort to, to, to take, to make uh, okay. before selling their products. They have to snap the picture, they have to, once it's sold, they need to... Do everything. Bring, yeah, they, they do everything. Uh, whereas uh, when it comes down to, you know, luxury items, that specific audience often is people that do have money. So either they're working, either they're just wealthy and not working, but um, it's... I would say that, that type of uh, audience will probably um, not want to queue up in a sink post, uh, yeah. you know, with their brown boxes to ship out their, their items. True. True. Um, so we make it completely hassle-free and convenient for, for the seller to, to basically sell out their products because we shoot the products, we pick them up. You do uh, everything? We do everything. Okay. And then on the other side, um, you have the buyers. Uh, which, you know, once you start buying luxury items like a Chanel bag that even in second hand, you know, is, is sold at $3,000 or can be even higher, um, you, you still want a bit of that luxury experience. So when you're shopping on a platform like eBay, you're shopping your Chanel bag next to a vacuum cleaner and next to, you know, gardening stuff. That's sexy. Um, so <laughs> you're not bringing to life kind of that small taste of, of luxury experience um, so that's that's one thing so I think that style tribute you know we've built a, a sort of DNA of uh, a branding communication a shopping environment uh, that is premium and that reflects kind of what you would see in luxury industries so luxury standards um, and then the other reason is that um, you don't have in those traditional marketplaces, you know, that are huge and horizontal and with all those categories, uh, you don't have a specific 
expertise to the luxury industry so you don't have you know um, first of all the guarantee that what you're buying is going to be authentic uh, so for the buyers we bring that service on top is that since all the items pass through us we authenticate the items and we bring that level of security that they won't have on other marketplaces and believe me it's still quite high the counterfeit okay and so you launched five years ago roughly um four years um, four years ago okay so we i started working on it a bit previously to that so when we did the incorporation but okay uh yeah so we're actually this is the the month of the anniversary so it's four years congratulations thank you <laughs> um yeah so it's it's gone extremely quickly i can't believe actually that it's been already four years <laughs> it's a bit creepy yeah and i i want to understand how was your first year at statue when you created yeah So my first year uh, was an apartment filled with clothing, um, you know, fighting with my husband because racks of clothes would fall over on top of our heads when we were <laughs> sleeping. <laughs> There was no more room in the apartment. It was literally like stacked up with items. Um, it was a lot of compromises in terms of uh, lifestyle, um, both coming from a corporate life. Uh, I, I had the, the, the chance and the, the big um, you know luck of having a husband that, that kept his uh, you know, job kept his job and so brought uh, the bread on the table uh, <laughs> at every meal uh, which is not always the case for all entrepreneurs yeah. so I think I was very lucky in that sense uh, to have that safety net uh, but even so I mean it's still a lot of compromise and eating a lot of pasta and saying no to a lot of, uh, you know, uh, nights out and, and, and trips and, you know, the, the lifestyle that we used to have before. Um, and the first year, I mean, was super exciting. I mean, I, I, it, it was, I was still in that uh, hype of not yet having had enough bumpy roads ahead to, you know, have the, the, the The difficult uh, every time I, I read those uh, testimonials about entrepreneurs that talked about how long the journey was and that it was a lot of resilience and persistence I, I didn't relate to it because I was so passionate and mm -hmm. you know I didn't live through the hard okay. times yet and okay. and the first year I would say is the easiest because you've really? had the easiest? Uh, not the easiest but in, in for me it was in the sense that So I was the still the fresh and, and, okay. and, you know, full of motivation and mm -hmm. um, it wasn't enough of, uh, the, the more down the road you go, the, the more, the cost of opportunity of your time and your sweat of your blood increases, right? Okay. So after four years when you had uh, also two children, so mm. rough patches and rough moments and um, at times where you thought the company would die. Uh, you know, moments that were difficult with employees, um, you know, the, those rough moments that all entrepreneurs will go through, You've, you don't have them, you haven't gone through them in your first year or at least in, yeah. in the beginning of your, your startup. You're just full of excitement, of hope and, and of faith, right? Mm. You haven't lived the dips of 
you know, losing that faith and, and you know, having to, to pick yourself up and, and go back to war, right? Um, so for me, the first year was, was amazing. I loved it because I, yeah, I was, I was just, you know, the, the sky is the limit, right? <laughs> <laughs> After a couple of years, you, you start seeing things a bit differently. I'm not saying that you lose face or, or anything. I think that's, you know, one of your question was what's, what makes it an entrepreneur successful. I do think that it's the faith, the persistence, the determination, the resilience, um, and that competitive uh, spirit, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't sure. have that, you'll never make it to the end. And, and I think that's, that's what you, you probably need to, to mature and go through is understanding that entrepreneurship is a journey because the first year it's super exciting and then after that I mean for certain it's after two years for certain it's after six months you, you'll go through some rough patches and, and, and it's at that moment that you realize that you need to go through them and you'll get other ones and you'll need to go through those ones and you start realizing that it's going to be all your life this way, you know? So <laughs> you better like it, right? Yeah, because and enjoy it. I heard that when you create a company, most of the time, if you are a church person, you sign for 10 years, maybe more. So... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 10 years. So if you're, you know, having gray hair and, uh, you know, start having heart problems, I don't know, all kinds of health issues after a couple of months, I don't think, you know, it's with that you. pace, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it should be for you, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, but it's something that you can learn as well. Um, I think it, it, it was a learning path for me uh, to, to mentally, you know, get over and, and, and comes to grips with 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 the fact that it's it's gonna be it's gonna be like this all my life if I choose to become an entrepreneur. So okay. if I want to have and enjoy my life, I'm gonna have to take some have to have to take some distance okay. from the issues that I, I, I cross. Um, and that that How hasn't is it? been How is it? that hasn't been easy. So I think this year was clearly um, a kind of turning point for me. Okay. Why? Um, why? Um, I've been reading a lot. I think it's because the third year was probably my most difficult year. Okay. Um, actually, my third, second and third. So I, I think where I really touched the, the, my limits was uh, I was pregnant with uh, my first son. I was going to deliver. So I had just... I, actually, the story is even longer than that. I had just... Um, participated in a contest for one million dollars to, to, okay. to gain one million dollars and uh, it was uh, sponsored by some of the biggest uh, VCs of Singapore. I won the competition. Congrats. Thought, yes. Was super happy. Was amazingly re relieved. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, because I was starting, my, my, the bank account was really drying up. Okay. And I had a, a very couple of, of weeks, uh, not of weeks, but a couple of months in front of, yeah. of me, okay, right? Good. And I was pregnant and ready to deliver a couple of months later, so more or less when, when I was going to be bank bankrupt. Okay. Um, so I win this competition and, you know, I'm relieved and I, I really think that 
the solutions to all my issues, um, but to discover a couple of weeks later that actually the, the investor and the promoter of the competition has invested in my competition. And so, like, competitors. Okay. Oh, and, uh, and that actually there's a conflict of interest and they're backing out of the, the deal. Really? With asterisks and, you know, the fact that it was up to one million, etc. Okay. So I end up, you know, going from my extreme high of thinking that I've just solved all my issues, raised a million dollars, you know, to, you know, the, the pits and the, 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 the lowest of the low because, you know, I've, I've actually been dependent on that, that mm, uh, prize. Sure thought that I would be having one million in the bank a couple of weeks later and actually I'm closer to the end of my run race okay. and I'm not going to touch a single dollar. Uh, and on top of that accessory, I, I'm, I'm going to deliver a couple of weeks later and I absolutely <laughs> do not know how I'm going to manage all this. So I end up, you know, and that's, that's the beauty of entrepreneurship is, is when you're really that determined, you, I mean, I, you basically create your own fate with how much the level of motivation and level of, of determination that you have, and you you really take out rabbits from from uh, from your black hat, right? Uh, so what did you do? So I was still looking at you know meeting investors, and um, and one investor uh, finally pulled through, and the day I delivered. Uh, is the day that I received uh, my convertible note, so it was a certain amount of uh, that was uh, the equivalent of a uh, ten month of run rate Good. on the bank account. The day I was, you know, pushing <laughs> my first son out, I received the, the you know, OCBC SMS <laughs> with the amount that had been uh, transferred to the bank account. So um, I think that was probably one one of the most intense experiences. Uh, going from one million, thinking I would have, I would get one million to nothing, to uh, finally uh, achieving that uh, that amount at the that's nice at the day of my delivery. Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah. So, what is your what is your daily routine as a CEO after four years? What is your daily routine? So I, I I think my my routines have changed uh, over time. Um, due to personal uh, changes, the yeah. fact that now I'm a mother, so I have to take that into account, has disciplined me a great deal. Um, I think you start putting boundaries as well. Um, you know, once once you don't have a family or kids, at least uh, your time is um, is indefinite. I mean, yeah. uh, you know you. You can stop you working your, at 10 p.m. Exactly. You don't put limits to, to when your day ends. Whereas when you have kids, I mean, they have their timing. They have their schedules. They have their own rhythm. So you you have to adapt to those if you want to see them and if you want to be part of their lives. Yeah. Uh, so the fact of having to adapt and, and having to put that priority on top has, uh, has changed a great deal in how I see my time now. Um, I think the second thing was uh, was the fact that I, after three years, or you know, in my in my case, the third year was really difficult uh, mentally. Um, I had to, to 
to, to work on that mental determination, that, that mental strength, and, and, um, and it doesn't come on its own, right? I mean, with, with a lot of passion, of course, it's much easier, but that, that passion needs to be nourished. Um, and in, when it's not, you need to, to grip on other things. So for me, it has been uh, reading a lot about, uh, you know, uh, much more experience. And, uh, What did you read? Do you have some books to... Uh, no, it was more mostly podcasts. Uh, okay. Um, okay. I'm extremely bad with names, uh, <laughs> um, but um, so you can have a look. The the one that inspired me the most, actually, it's another entrepreneur that passed it to me. Javi um, Kanta, but I let me find his name. So it's Naval Rabicanto. Okay. Yeah. And he's um, he talks about you know all this. So since the beginning of self tribute or, or my company, you know, I, I I keep on repeating that sentence, you know, and and I think I've mentioned it earlier in the interview, the fact that entrepreneurship and building your startup is a journey, but. It's very difficult to, to wrap your head around that because you always have the impression that it's a, it's, a, it's a race, right? It's a race because you never have enough time. You need to meet those targets. You have so much numbers and targets and, and, and milestones and, and, and um, you know, responsibilities to investors, uh, year ends that finish off where you need to hit a certain financial, etc., etc. Um, so you're, you're always running out of time and, uh, and you kind of lose the sense of, of what you're doing and the appreciation of, of what you're doing at that instance, right? Because you're always projecting yourself or on, on where you need to be at in a couple of weeks, in a couple of months. Or, sure. um, and I was constantly actually living in the future, right? Okay. Um, so not in the now. Yeah, and, and the fact of having to live the journey and live it now is something that um, I, I, I could talk about, but I, I couldn't execute, right? Okay. And I think the, the first thing that had forced me to do that was clearly my second son. I wasn't like that with my first, but with my second, uh, to appreciate the moment present. And uh, and to realize that if I wasn't able to do that, I would I would not be able to appreciate him growing up. And, okay. and I was too scared, basically, of turning around one day or, or you know waking up one day and realizing that those ten years I was yeah I was actually projecting myself during all that time and and not appreciating those moments with him. Okay, good, good, good daily routine. Um, we're going to talk about the entrepreneurship area now in, in Southeast Asia. So, what is your yeah, what is your point of view about this? What is your point of view about the entrepreneurship area in, in, in Southeast Asia? Um, I think, I mean, compared to markets like Europe and the U.S., where 
the economy has or has reached a level of maturity where you know there's a competition that's immense, um, you know, uh, and and compared to here where there's a lot of opportunities of replicating sure. um, businesses, um, and yet the growth is immense as well. So. Um, I don't know. I sometimes I, I have the impression that um, we as entrepreneurs here in Asia are, are, are frauds compared to mm. other people in, in Europe or in the U.S. because you see such talented people over there yeah, that exactly. have difficulty um, succeeding um, just because you know uh, the consumer is so much mature and there has been. I mean, businesses have have done. Um, or, or the, the businesses have already found a certain execution and whereas here there's a, there's much more opportunity to, for novelty um, than, than over there so um, yeah I still think there's right. a lot of I opportunities think I think you're right some. we have the same point of view about this question yeah um, one of the last questions so What could you advise to a millennial who wants to succeed in business and want to create his own company? Yeah. What kind of advice? <laughs> um, how do you define millennial? Millennial is a guy from 20 to 20 to 30 or 25 to 35. Okay. Um, so when you Yeah, so what comes to mind is um, is uh, often when I have uh, interns that have that age, um, you know, they, they, I ask them why they want to work at Style Tribute and they often mention the fact that they want to work in a startup because they want to build their own startup. Okay. Um, and then the question follows, why do you want to build your startup, right? And and. And so often, basically, the reason is about freedom. Yeah. It's about you know being your own boss. Is uh, is sometimes creativity, but it often turns around the idea of of having freedom and and being you know your your sole kind of um, uh, business owner, etc. And for me, that's um, that's a, an illusion that is yeah. you know 100. I think I've, I've never been, uh, you, you have a lot of freedom in the sense that, of course, you know, you, you get that freedom of creativity that's immense, um, and, and that's what I love about it, but in terms of uh, freedom, in terms of lifestyle, in terms of uh, hours of work, in terms of, um, um, you know, right now I'm, I'm tied to Singapore and my husband would like to, to go abroad and, and okay. change countries but this is just not feasible whereas this would have been feasible if I was in my own company uh, so you're tied and you're married to your business uh, it's, it's, it's that's, so that's, that's just one level of, uh, of uh, flexibility the other is that you're the only one that is really carrying the business you know you have employees there to help you or you have Uh, your co-founders that are there to, to co-carry it, uh, but at the end of the day, if you're not there carrying it, no one will at your place, so it never ends for you. 
Okay. Uh, you, you don't, I mean, you go on vacation and I've, I'm very lucky um, to have to have uh, to be surrounded by people and employees that uh, that I trust and um, and and when I go on vacation now you know I, I can turn You're off my, my my okay. iPhone <laughs> during a couple of days in a row but at the end of the day if something goes wrong it's it's you to deal with it right okay. um, so that freedom that you have when you're corporate or you're an employee um, of, of being able to shut off and, and really you know concentrate on your other priorities of life you won't you won't have right okay um, so what do you advise to someone if you want so I think that that should definitely you know not be a reasoning and the other is the reasoning of not having a boss um, Yes, you don't have a boss, but you will always have people that you, um, how do you say, report to in okay. a certain sense. Investors. It can be investors. It can be your own employees. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's your customers. I mean, my boss are clearly my customers. Yes. <laughs> If I'm do not doing my, my job correctly, they're banging me and, you yeah. know, I can feel it. Um, so at the end of the day, you'll never be the almighty powerful. Um, so if what excites you is, you know, leadership and, and uh, having, you know, uh, a team underneath you. And, um, you know, I know certain people seek for that uh, immensely, but, but I still think that in a corporate job, you can find that and okay. you have great leadership roles. Um, you shouldn't want to create your own company because you want to become a leader and you want to, uh, you know, have employees working for you. I mean, said in a very simplified way, but um, so yeah, I, I don't know if it makes sense, but it's just something that every time surprises me. This is not at all something that was one of my targets starting my own company was uh, to become like the. CEO and I, I never fantasized about you know having people reporting to me and, okay. and having the final word on everything. <laughs> um, I think I mean I, I strongly believe in, in startups where actually it's it's um, uh, the decision making is uh, is much more of a dialogue and a discussion with the people working there. And, um, And so that's that's not part of our our corporate uh, corporate value and, and the way that we process uh, the decisions. But um, so I, I have a difficulty relating with that, and I, I have difficulty uh, imagining that um, you know being that as sole priority. I mean, as biggest mm. priority, as biggest motivator, uh, could be the right one. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. And last question, you know what is the five-year window? Yeah. It's the five years that you use to tackle your dreams. So I want to know the most impactful moment of your five-year window. Oh, God. <laughs> It's very difficult to resume in, uh, in Yeah, I know. One, right? Take your time. Um, no. One good moment. Something. I think it sounds it, it sounds very generic, but um, I think my 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 most um, I would say um, 
important, not important, but the one that really marked um, my, my small and uh, modest history as entrepreneur is the day where others started trusting me, right? Okay. Um, so you have an idea, you're passionate about it, you have faith that you will succeed, but uh, and you have your mother, your grandma, and your boyfriend <laughs> saying that you're a genius. Um, but the day where, you know, there's strangers that actually are putting money or uh, people that have strong backgrounds and, um, you know, that you find smart uh, decide to, to make a compromise on their own salaries and join you, um, that's, that's, a, that's a great moment. Okay. Um, and and at that time you said, okay, we need to go, we have to go. So it's, it's not at that moment, but okay. I guess it's... Um, You know, I read that corny quote on Instagram, you know, sometimes you have those posts about an, uh, entrepreneurial uh, masturbation, anyways. <laughs> uh, something where, you know, when you're, when you're on, the only one dreaming, it, it can continue as a dream, whereas when, when others start uh, believing in it, it becomes more reality. I don't remember how the quote went, but... It, it's really that it, it becomes much more concrete once others you know start realize start believing in, in your idea and start committing as well sacrificing for it and, and joining forces for you um, alone you're just you know a Nothing. crazy and yeah. passionate yeah. you know multitasking dreamer, dreamer right yeah. <laughs> whereas when when you have people that are actually funding you and actually joining your team You might have a start of the business um, so I mean there's a lot of people that go through that long stage of being alone and, and, and they, they end up succeeding but um, the fact of, of switching from one to the other is a, is a great moment okay yeah from single believer to you know even just one other person it's enough right That's nice. So, so the seed round was uh, was an important moment, I would say, and uh, and my first employees, um, uh, other than just interns that I was okay. exploiting. Okay. <laughs> um, so that was another great moment. Yeah. That's nice. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Yeah. Thank you Good so much. Thank you. Boy, if you're lucky enough to be graduating today with not a fucking idea of what you're gonna do with your future, nobody's ever been luckier than you. Please recognize it.